big red button. You've pressed the big red button. That means we're live. Friends is a podcast. I am your co-host Charles, and I'm with my co-host Nick. Hey everyone. I'm very cold, and you have a cold. What are the chances of that, huh? Pretty high because it's winter. <laughs> uh, this week we were thinking about what we we're going to do with the clip episode, and what we decided was instead of skipping it and going straight to the terrible episode that follows, we're going to just stick with two episodes this week and. Uh, They've definitely given us quite a lot to talk about, even though it's only two episodes. Yeah. Yeah, I think they have. Uh, obviously, if you've been listening to this podcast, the first episode, The Great Escape, is going to you know, chronicle our hero's escape from the uh, Zentradi ship. And then the episode after that is, as far as I can tell, roughly 50% recycled animation. What did you think, Nick? Yeah, it, I, I think they might have spent a little bit more money on um, the earlier episodes than they intended. Well, let's get started then. So we join the gang, if you remember from last time, they're inside the middle of a Zentradi spaceship and Rick decides that, the, and because they're in their little cell from last episode, Rick decides that the best way to get out is if he just kisses uh, Lisa in front of the Zentradi. Yeah. Uh, Lisa, Lisa says, I'm not going to do this. I may be naive, but I'm not stupid. Oh, so I have to point out too, you know how Rick's like, I've got a plan, and he explains his plan involves kissing, right? Yeah. So remember last time, last episode, how he was bragging about having a plan before they found out about kissing? <sighs> so he was 100% bullshitting. Oh, God damn it, Dick Hunter. And then, of course, when Lisa, uh, you know, says no, Dick Hunter doubles down like the insult-ass motherfucker that he is and tells her that she isn't pretty and he wouldn't do it unless it's life and death. I fucking hate you, Rick the worst now i was wondering here because you know she was pretty keen last episode yep to kiss him yeah so maybe he's just a really shitty kisser <laughs> it's like he's a maybe he's like a biter like you're right like you know he's just been like nibbling at her lips every time he does it or something and then it's just, it's just like well that was a terrible mistake i'm never doing that again oh what i thought would have been funnier is if he just if instead she refuses and it's just like rick and ben have to kiss because if they can't handle if they're so repressed they can't handle regular sex wait till they get to the really exciting stuff <laughs> um so the zentradis are, are hanging out on their uh in their boardroom the zentradi boardroom but they decide that they want to send spies and wouldn't you know it what are the chances that bron rico and that other dude whose name i always forget decide that they are gonna uh volunteer a few episodes ago, I remember you joked about there being 11-foot Zentradi spies on the ship, so we're literally going to see the Zentradi spies on the ship, you clairvoyant yeah. you. I'm, I'm so knowledgeable. Um, there's a brief little scene where Max is hanging out in his pee-stained clothes, if you remember correctly. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> yep. Mm. <laughs> um, so Lisa has a change of heart because the information on the tape recorder that she was recording all the stuff last episode is so valuable, she's decided that, you know what, she will kiss Dick Hunter one more time. And so wouldn't you know, they hear a sound outside the room and Lisa and Dick get ready to, you know, replay their fucking mouth. Wait, what's the what's the most dis- disturbing way you could describe a, ki- describe a kiss? I don't know. I don't want to go down that All road. Right. 
Mouths are gross. The more you think about kissing at all, the more weird and gross it gets. Yeah. So, um, they begin to kiss, and the door opens, and in a moment of Clark Kent in his glasses, they fail to recognise what is clearly Max in his pea clothes. And he has to take his hat off in order for them to work out that that robot-shaped man in pea clothes is, in fact, not a Zentradi warrior. So, if you listened to the episode last week and you forgot what we mean by Max being covered in pea clothes... <laughs> I hope they haven't. They Max just was know. in a giant robot... He kicked the Zentradi guy in the bladder. <laughs> the guy, the Zentradi guy was on his way to the bathroom when he kicked him, and then he took the guy's clothes. So the guy almost definitely wet himself, so the giant robot definitely smells like piss. Yeah, we're not making this up, but I really hope people just haven't listened to the last episode. I'm like, what? what is this? What are they talking well, about? They probably listened to it last week, <laughs> and I don't remember what I did yesterday. So, yeah. um, there's a, a silly joke here where Max says, Geez, Rick, I thought you liked younger women. Now you're into older women. So even the show is making fun of the weird kind of min-may oh, age yeah. thing. I did like how long Max left it before making a joke, though. Like, he comes in, <laughs> says nothing, rescues them all, and only when he puts him in the pocket does he just start absolutely laying it on them. <laughs> I think we should get him on as a guest. Oh, yeah. Um, so they try and sneak by some guards. They get busted and... Uh, Max turns into the plain robot hybrid thing that we've made fun of previously, but I guess he's useful here. Yeah, and they get they get shot at a lot here, and I can't tell if they're getting hit a lot and the guns don't do anything, or if they're all just like stormtrooper levels of missing. <laughs> I don't know if you if you are actually watching this episode, pay attention to. Oh, does this come later? Actually, I think it comes later. The guy, the elevator bit comes later, doesn't it? Uh, it's about now. It depends how much you've. You're going to talk about the details? Uh, okay, well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, where are we? Yeah, Britai gets told that they've escaped, and just as he's told that the Micronians have escaped, uh, Max comes flying through like the displays on the command center. It, it looks awesome. cool. It's like one of those like 90s 3D movies. Yeah, it, it, coming straight at the camera. It's really cool. Whoa! <laughs> um, uh, so Max tries to escape in a lift and this is what I was mentioning before you're right it's just straight after um, the Zentradi opens the lift and sees them flying towards them all the guns and he runs away in a cartoonishly exaggerated fashion which I thought was pretty funny it's pretty good um, and so they, they land in the lift there's a little scene where the robot breaks down and Rick has to run along the arm and yeah so why is the why is the plane overheating now I think I think based on what you're saying that the, the plane does get shot a lot and it's just going to blow up oh okay that's what I that's how I'm like uh yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so the lift goes down a couple of levels, and they obviously clearly haven't followed the instructions of do not use the lift in an emergency. <laughs> and uh, they, they run away on foot, and then their robot explodes, and the Zentradi, who was trying to chase them, gets blown up too, and then Lisa and Rick and Max and Ben split up. Uh, Lisa and Rick discover that the Zentradi are VAT-born. And that they're shrinking uh, yeah. some to human size, which... And uh, Lisa's a bit casually racist, and she's like, oh, that's why they all look the same. Yeah. Like, Whoa, Wh- slow wow, wow. Also, they fail to report the thing in the next episode that they can turn into human size, which is why the Zentradi get away with having spies on board the ship for so long. Oh, yeah, they just sort of forgot that major important detail. Um Britai, meanwhile, gets owned by Emperor Palpatine and he gets relieved of duty and is told his command is being transferred to Amazonia. What a name. Do, do, do you think... Wait, wait, there's a prime joke here. She arrived really quickly because she's Amazonia Prime. She, I've got it. It's a gag. I got it. 
Yep, it's good. It's great. Um, so this episode, even though it's called The Great Escape, should really be called The Great Talk because there's a lot of talking in this episode. Oh, is this the part where uh, Lisa sees one machine and then immediately understands the entire history of the Zentradi <laughs> and proceeds to tell us? No, this is the... the, the, the your, that bit is coming right up. This bit is the bit where Lisa ponders and goes, maybe the, the Zentradi and the humans aren't so different, you and I. And then while they're yucking it up about that... Um, uh, as Entrati's troop manages to sneak up behind them, which seems completely improbable. Uh, Lisa gets grabbed. Her video player goes falling out of her butt, which we decided last episode, and it crashes on the ground and explodes. In a very satisfying yeah. moment, Rick gets kicked by a giant Zentradi. I think that's really great. Yeah, I was questioning why he survived that. And also, this is like the maybe the fifth time a woman has been grabbed by a giant hand in this show and it's starting to give me like a hmm there's an awful lot of feet in this tarantino kind of <laughs> like do you think the lead director had like a formative sexual experience while king kong was on in the background <laughs> <or something>? yeah <laughs> all right baby i want you to dress up as the eiffel state tower trust me on this <laughs> uh eiffel state tower empire state building fuck i ruined it um wait what are the flying planes wow let's not think about that uh, in a moment for that speaks to gun safety and locking up your guns, Rick goes flying into a Zentradi gun storage locker and he shoots him with a giant gun. All of his ribs just definitely 100% got broken and then six giant rifles fell on him and he just picks up the giant rifle and shoots the guy yeah, in I, between the eyes. Uh, yeah, that's... It, it's, it's, it's a cartoon show. We'll, we'll let it, we'll let it let slide. It, oh, yeah, but it's the first time Rick's been not useless in quite some time. It, yeah, it is, but it is completely ridiculous. Oh, yeah, it's so dumb. So, now, you don't want to say because Lisa is a woman, but Lisa seems really upset that her videotape is destroyed. Um, well, this is the second time Lisa, at a key moment, has just had a total, total breakdown, and... Uh, I just, I just think it's a personal character flaw of hers. Okay, so the show's not commenting anything on that. I'm sure it is, and I'm choosing to overlook. <laughs> choosing it. to ignore because speaking this. The funny thing is, this isn't even the most problematic thing that happens in these two episodes. So we'll keep rolling on. Rick yep. says, "Sometimes women don't make any sense, even if they are officers." Fuck you, Rick. Jesus Christ. Shut up, Rick. Um, they flee just in time. Uh, before some guards come to capture them, and these guards fire at them while they're running away, and. A hole in the floor opens up and they go plummeting into the bowels of the ship. Now, Rick survives getting kicked by a, you know, 50-foot-tall giant in the ribs. <laughs> but he immediately passes out upon hitting the water and Lisa does not. Uh, yeah, well, this this is a very fantastic episode. It's It really says something in a show about giant aliens and planes that transform into robots that this seems fantastic and outlandish, but... And this isn't even the most unlikely part. It still gets sillier. <laughs> yep, it sure does. So Rick wakes up having a dream of Minmay telling Rick goodbye, which, I don't know, it's on the nose, but hell, it works for characterization. In case you somehow missed the last, you know, five episodes of their relationship is toast, the show now explicitly tells you in a dream. Uh, yep. And now this next section is weird. So Lisa wakes up. Well, Rick wakes up beside Lisa in a water reservoir and they've all got like bits of water on their faces and the art is like incredibly lush by this show's standards. Yeah. It's just like they really wanted to like get over this moment of introspection between these two characters and 
I don't know. Well, no, well, they're, tr- they're trying to make Lisa, whose face looks kind of half melted in every previous scene, look attractive because otherwise Rick's behavior doesn't make sense. Yeah. And the only way they know how to do that is to draw the eyes bigger and more colorful. Yeah. It's anime. Yeah. And considering what happens next episode, you can tell that all this has obviously cost them a lot of time and money. Yeah. All these uh, robot suplex fights in the last three episodes, that's, that's expensive. And all the beauty shots of Lisa with water in her hair. Uh, so, Uwu, <laughs> as you pointed out last time, uh, well, previously, Lisa deduces everything about Zentradi's society because she sees a single rusty leaking pipe. Yep, and she saw the cloning machine and she was like, yep, great, got it all, all 100% nailed. And yeah, as you pointed out, in the next episode when she has to report all of this because she destroyed the camera, she just forgets like 90% of the key details. Yeah. Basically, if you haven't seen it, she says, oh, it turns out that Zentradi are only good at war. They can destroy things. They cannot build or maintain them. It's that kind of, I guess, cliche. Yeah, and they told they, oh, the Zentradi were once the size of us and now they're big because that just inherently makes sense that you'd make yourself big if you could and that's what protoculture is for and a whole bunch of stuff that honestly, even if you watch it, you won't remember any of it 10 minutes later. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't even matter. And then uh, Lisa says the most jingoistic bullshit. It's so jingoistic, I'm surprised it wasn't said by Min Mang. <laughs> she goes, my father always says, wherever war is being waged, life is being lived. And it's just like, what does that even mean? To be fair, she then immediately follows it up with, because my dad was a jingoistic bastard from a family of militarists. <laughs> and I've lived my whole life in this system and I hate it. Well, we, we'll get back, get to that. Rick then says, war is bad, actually. And maybe we shouldn't be fighting, which is weird. He's suddenly become pacifist. No, no, he was a pacifist yeah, yeah. the whole time. Oh, you good point. I'm an idiot. Uh, at least It's the one good opinion he's got. Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. Uh, and then Lisa says, I can't work out why they want the SDF. Now, going on what you said before, this contradicts the Bye Bye Mars episode, because in that one, she's like, maybe I will join the Defense Forces because I love you, Ryber. And in this one, she's like, I've been in the Defense Forces my entire life. Yeah. So, and I think they actually fixed that up later. Oh, but okay. But I'm going off half-remembered ideas of the Japanese version, Okay. So maybe they don't. They just forgot. Maybe I'm an idiot. Um... I sometimes get the distinct impression that the whole Lisa love like love interest side of the story may have been invented like a third of the way into the show. Like it's not necessarily bad because it, it I think you're right. It feels like they they they're filling in details and writing and rewriting as they go and there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's how yeah. things are created but but that's probably too why in the because robotech of course was dubbed after the whole show was finished yeah so that's probably why the commentator is talking about a completely imaginary relationship between lisa and rick in bye bye mars oh because they know exactly where it's going at the time because yeah. they know it's coming even though at the time maybe the macross writers didn't yeah because it's not obvious there um and rick has his single moment of clarity in the entire show so far he says it must be hard for Lisa being a woman as she has to work twice as hard to be accepted. Which, that is correct. Well done, Rick. Congratulations. 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 Yeah, and he talks about how all the pilots, and it's like, hang on, this is the same guy who was like, women are useless on these type of missions, yep. like, 20 minutes ago. Yep. Yeah, so that's uh, that's weird. Uh, then Lisa teases Rick about Min Mei. Uh, Rick talks about how Min Mei doesn't have time for her now, that she's famous, which, 
Pumpy Break's son, he's been in prison this entire time. How does he know that? He's, he does say he's assumed she's famous because she's had a debut. Oh, okay. So I, th- I thought he was like, she's just so busy when she just won the competition and then missed out on a well, single date. Well, she was busy. She was standing him up and he's choosing to believe the bullshit lies. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't like him because he sucks. Uh, I do love that Lisa is just explicitly scoping out the competition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then uh, Rick, maybe obliviously, maybe not, releases like, oh, it's so sad. I don't have anybody to go home to. And then Rick is like, but you're pretty. You'll find somebody because beauty is all skin deep, I guess. Oh, and just, well, and just this whole, this whole scene is like watching 15-year-olds flirt. They both think they're being so clever. Um, and Lisa, I believe, says something like, you better not make a wager with a woman. I don't know what that means, but that's something she says, right? Yeah, it's just bizarre nonsense. Uh, we, we cut back to the Zentradi bridge and Bron, Rico, and that other guy, whose name I always forget, are there in their burlap sacks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was hoping you'd mention that. Yeah. For some reason, it looks like the Zentradi forgot to have any normal Micronian clothes so they just dress them up in like black burlap saps with a rope belt yeah it's right it's like they're like commander we've run the we've run our suits through the dryer like 10 times on high but they haven't shrunk enough (laughs) (laughs) oh dear um so the 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 spies are told that when they get back they will have their own ship and i made me wonder whether it's like their own ship like the miss macross winner this. Well, they said it was a battleship, but I did wonder, yeah, did they all get their own battleship or is this going to be some, like, actual comedy skit where they have three captains? <laughs> it's like, who's on first level of, belay that, belay that, belay. <laughs> um, so Lisa feels a breeze inside the ship and wouldn't you know it, they happen to find a loading dock and also Max and Ben. Yep, that's very convenient. And then they get on a cruiser. And the cruiser just happens to be going back to Earth. I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought this because they go, look, that cruiser looks like it's, looks like it's going to leave. And they just decide to hop on it and it just happens to be going to the SDF one. It's- like, this, is the se- this is the center of Zentradi civilization. It could be going to literally anywhere in the universe and it just happens to go straight back to where they came from. Yeah, it is the most ridiculous, contrived plot bullshit. But I mean, who, I mean what the hell, I guess. I mean, I feel like the writers did get... I remember watching this the very first time and going, these guys are in deep shit. Like, they're a long, <laughs> long way from home. Yeah, nope. They're just going to hop the nearest bus and they'll be there in no time. Don't worry about it. Because not only are they in the middle of the Zentradi war fleet, the Zentradi war fleet had to, like, space fold for, like, a week to get there as well. Yep. Actually, that doesn't make any sense because then they fly back in, like, ten minutes. This whole show doesn't make any sense. I still enjoy the show a lot. So we meet, oh, yeah. uh, we meet Amazonia... Uh, who is the head of the female Zentradis, and Myria? Hello? The machine is still on, Myra. And she's got a, f- and she's got a bunch of pink spaceships, and her name is Amazonia because, oh, I don't know. But consider this, she has a giant cape and she looks badass. That yeah. doesn't... <laughs> um... The two uh, ladies and Tridi talk about how they don't want to do the mission, but the Emperor made them do it. And in my notes too, I have females and Tridis fly purple ships. Yep. Uh, Rick, Lisa, Max and Ben decide to commandeer a battle pod to get away. And it's like a bunch of toddlers in an overcoat kind of situation. Yeah, because if you remember the battle pods, even though they're about the same size as the robots that the humans use fit a full grown Zentradi in them. <laughs> so they have full grown Zentradi controls. 
Um, now, I, I honestly can't remember. Is it Myria or Myria? The machine is still on, Myra. Or what is it? I've forgotten her name. Uh, something like that. Yeah, it's, I'm bad with the names. I, I've show. watched this episode like half an hour ago, and I've forgotten already. But so we've introduced to like you know, Amazonia is the commander, and Miria is like the ace Zentradi female pilot, and yep. she decides that in order to get the Zentradi spies aboard the STF one, she will hand deliver them because yep. they're dealing with Micronians. How hard can it be? I smell a plot coming along. Uh, Bronrico and that other guy get told that Miria is taking them, and they're like, The machine is still on, Myra. Wow, that's Myria. Myria is the best pilot in the whole world, which is good for us to know. Yeah. Um, well, it's good because it explains the next scene for us because it's like, What the fuck? Holy shit. Yeah. W- uh, well, firstly, we see that our heroes commandeer the battle pod and shoot a bunch of people. and Which is really funny because, yeah, they literally have like one guy on one joystick, one guy on the other joystick. Uh, Lisa operating the radio and Max operating the scanners. It's like <laughs> yep. this, like, yeah, three toddlers in an overcoat. Uh, and so they're scanning the radio and then suddenly, speaking of, like, things that you shouldn't hear in deep space, they suddenly hear Minmay. And that means that they're saved. And then we get our first taste of what will become a staple, and that is rock music playing while people get shot and killed. Oh, God. So they've literally superimposed Minmay singing yep. over a space battle, and it is... Yep. Awful. Yep. And so during this space battle, the the plot is that Miria is blowing everybody up while we're hearing, it's time to be a star. But yeah, she literally just arrives, kills like 30 people, and then beats everyone, brags about it, and then punches a hole in the side of the SDF Macross and delivers the bomb-shaped briefcase that they strapped the three spies in. Yep, that's 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 the entirety of it. But the whole time you're just like, like, and it's meant to be, um, what's his name, Roy Fokker's squad, who are like the best? Yep. And it's just like, hang on a second. Yep. Why didn't they just get her to do everything from the start? Ah, yep, 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 yep. So there's like no tension of like, don't shoot us, we're actually the good guys. They just dial up their space phone and then they get picked up by a bunch of uh, Robotech fighters and then they get taken back to the ship. I think Rick Rick makes a joke about it. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I thought this episode was fine when I watched it and now when I review my notes, I think this episode kind of sucks. It did. The only, uh, by the way, they did mention here that there are seventy thousand pe- refugees on the ship, so that does confirm what we were talking about last episode with ah. the number of people who can enter into Ms. Macross. Oh, how, well, there you go. Well, it's um, you know, it's like sometimes when I watch this show, I get like feelings. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and no, I, 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 I don't I, have those. I'm like a Zentradi. <laughs> I get like 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 I get thoughts. Like I think I know what's coming. And I went and I spoke to somebody and they said, if you really want to know about premonition and the future, you should maybe uh, contact a guest. He is a seer of things, a mystic, a man from the far east of Sydney. And ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) well, just you wait till you meet him. This man is a herder of goats, one of the divine chosen, one of the few. He can read people's minds and read the contents of envelopes. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time we have a guest on our podcast, I would like to introduce to you one and all, the Great Maroon. Hello everyone. (laughs) Within five sealed envelopes, because I heard that this man can read the contents of envelopes, I have sealed five envelopes and I have mailed them and they've been hand-delivered to him and only he will be able to read the contents of the envelope without even opening them. How do you do it? Well, 
I consult with the uh, unknown mystical stuff in the universe, and it just tells me the answer. Well then, we shall put this to the test. What you are going to do is you are going to hold the envelope in your hands, the very real envelopes and not a Google Doc in your hands. No, no, I, I have a real envelope in my hand. And you are going to tell me what is in that envelope and then you will open it and you will read the contents aloud to us and the millions of viewers that listen to this podcast. Shall we begin? Sure. <laughs> if... so I've, I've put the envelope up, but I haven't read the contents. But the voices are telling me that it contains Max Sterling. Max Sterling. And if you may now open the envelope... Ah, it says, when you withdraw all the money at a British ATM. <laughs> the second envelope. Ah, okay, let me just uh, fetch it. It, uh, it says, Brie tie. Brie tie. Uh, and I'm opening it, and uh, it says, what you wear to formals and tradie dinner. <laughs> The third envelope, Seer, Mystic, if you may. Oh, I have to lie back and think. It says Robotech. Robotech. Ah, the message inside says, What do you call a Veritech fighter in a robot? And the uh, final envelope, it says, my boyfriend... No, wait. Time to be a star. Time to be a star. Ah, and it reads, what atoms of light say when elements are squeezed under enough pressure for their nuclei to undergo fusion? <laughs> 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 well, is that everything, uh... Everything you hoped it would be, uh, what you imagined. Yeah, maybe better. I think if we put some like, like really phony, like Middle Eastern music under the bottom and edit out all my pauses, it might be good. Oh fuck! Okay, I laughed so hard I actually got dizzy for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and we'll just pretend I wrote all those jokes, and you weren't just laughing at your own jokes. <laughs> Ah, and we're back, and unfortunately our, our guest has had to go. And it's weird that you didn't say anything to him, Nick. Oh, I don't believe in any of that. <coughs> so, if that episode was bad, this next one, episode 13, Blue Wind, is probably the one of... What do you reckon, worse than Space Tuna, or just in the same general ballpark as Space Tuna? Oh, no, nothing is... It's not even close to as bad as Space Tuna. I, I think what makes this one bad is they just... People's faces change during the course of conversations. They move weirdly. They don't look like they should. They look like different people a lot of the time. We saw a lot of the um, melting faces earlier in the show, and we're seeing it again here. Now, <coughs> this Sorry. is a weird one because when you're... I, I'm not an animator, but I'm a little bit interested in it. And you'll have a thing called a character sheet, right? Where mm-hmm. you draw your character making all of the facial expressions that they're likely to make. Okay. And the idea then is that because you'll have the lead artists who will draw keyframes, but you need all the other artists to be able to draw it exactly the same way. Oh, yep. And I don't know what was going on when they were making Macross, but I don't think they had one. No, and 
my limited understanding of animation is this can happen if you have to send it off to like a different animation house to do all the in-between bits. Yeah, so well, it's, it's just, yeah, it happens, yeah, if you just don't have people who have those reference materials or aren't on the same page. Yeah. It's the uh, reason that Lisa has, like, five different sets of eyes yep. in one episode. Yeah, this this episode, look, it's really, really weird the way that their faces melt and change and they don't look like the people they're supposed to be. And it's as you say, it's like they don't have a, an animation reference. They've just been told what what they look like and they have to do it from memory or something. It's very strange. It's like, yeah, Lisa is the most egregious example in this show just because she literally only has irises when she's supposed to be attractive. <laughs> so this episode begins with a replacement bridge crew and Claudia on the bridge. Uh, the replacement bridge crew, well, one of them wonders, do you think we're ever going to go home? And then Claudia is really mean and is like, if there's Entrati around us, then we're not going home. Shut up, do your job. Yeah, Claudia here, it's like, wow. I can see why they all like Lisa a lot now. <laughs> Do I see some monster? Uh, Ron Rico and the other dude are, are sneaking about in the ship in their burlap snack. Bron uh, <laughs> Rico and the other guy are sneaking about the ship in their burlap sacks when they see the real bridge crew walk past and head into what appears to be a change room in the middle of nowhere. I don't know why there's a change room in the middle of nowhere. Well, it would be weirder if the change room was just like in the main street, wouldn't it? You pervert. That, <laughs> that's a good point. So the spies wonder, do you think the humans change their clothes all the time? And once they see the the coast is clear, they decide to go in and steal some disguises. I don't know about you, but the whole the, the whole animated TV show with characters in the burlap sacks with rope belts give me a really um you know those bizarre Christian cartoons that are like tales from the Bible that have been like hand animated? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it gives me that vibe, and it's like, oh, this is already bad. It's like Bro- Bron Rico suddenly have to feed themselves and 300 other men only with a loaf of bread and some fish. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so- Someone is about to be uh, astounded by his doctrine. <laughs> so uh they there's like a scene of them ripping open all the lockers until they find some clothes and uh you know who would have thought the two of them find what can be we'll call them gender neutral clothes yeah it could be one well, by like, i don't know it's kind of like the miggles the wiggles made um steve jobs and you really remember <laughs> that this is an 80s show when they're all in uh bright color turtlenecks actually that's the wiggles meet steve jobs is the perfect description by the way and then uh, one of them comes out in a dress, which just feels a bit weird. Oh, it's, well, it's just, it's just shit. It's just Benny Hill humour. It's like the lowest possible f- hanging fruit. And when I say it feels weird, it's not that he's in a dress that is a problem, but we'll get to it in a little bit of time. The way the show reacts to him is a bit of a problem. So oh, it all just sucks. It's all literally oh, a man in a dress, <laughs> and it's not a throwaway gag. The gag keeps going for like a full ten minutes in this of twenty minute episode. Yep, it sucks. It sucks. So Lisa, Rick, Max, and Ben are getting debriefed. Uh, Lisa, as we discussed previously, mentions some things. They, she says that they have no emotions and they can genetically modify themselves, and. That's all she says. and I guess considering she worked out all of this stuff based on the fact that she saw one machine, maybe she assumed that they would all immediately go, oh, therefore they can <laughs> miniaturize themselves and have infiltrated our ship. <laughs> and uh, they're like a bunch of smelly old white men. And who, who knew the smelly old white men don't believe what the woman says 
and I just generally dicks about the whole thing. It's like... And immediately after the meeting, Rick says, if I was in their position, I'd do exactly the same thing. But does he really say that? Yes. Oh, my God. I didn't... Oh, my God. I didn't what even notice that. Goal. What a fucking own goal. So here's a bit that does not make sense to me. Maybe I'm tired, right? I stayed up and watched the uh, World Cup game. Of course you did. Uh, <laughs> Global says, we need to get this information to Earth. One of the other yeah. guys says... I'm going to transmit it. And he says, no, you won't. And then like a dramatic sting plays. And then he says, we're going to break through the enemy lines. Yep. I don't understand it. Why? So what is he? He's going to personally deliver the message. Oh, oh, is it really that simple? Between the enemy lines is earth. That's what uh, Claudia was yelling at that crew member because she was looking at earth on the monitors going, if only we could go home. <laughs> if I could turn back time. And then um, Claudia just, you know, slaps you in the face. For <coughs> okay. Having human emotions. That actually makes a lot of sense. I guess I'm just stupid. That That's easy. Okay. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> All right. So here's the scene that we hate. The Zentradi spies come out into the bustling city and are blown away by the whole thing. And then, of course, people start laughing at the dude because he's in a dress. They say, oh, my God, is that dude wearing a dress? And then they work out that. He's wearing a female uniform. And then there's another funny bit. Funny. Funny funny in air quotes where the three of them run to the male change rooms to get away. And then one of the guys sees the dude in the dress is like, that's the wrong toilets. You've got to go to the female toilets. He runs into the female toilets. And then, of course, you hear the, ah! And then he comes out looking beaten up. And he says, boy, these Micronians sure are warlike. Waka, 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 waka. It's just like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh, this sucked. Oh, this really sucked. Uh, that's all we have to talk, say Moving about that. Moving swiftly on. Yeah. So our four heroes get a hero's welcome, and uh, they're all on a giant stage, and it's like, you know, here's Rick. He's the biggest, dumbest incel. Yay. Here's so, Ben. The, and so, you know, I've joked to us before about how my boyfriend is a pilot. Minmay's song in the original mm-hmm. was uh, something that I would deliberately play to you guys to upset you as a running joke because mm-hmm. it was so annoying. Yep. And the reason I hated that song so much, and I'd forgotten until we started watching this again, the reason that song is so annoying is that since it, as soon as it appears in the show, they basically play it every episode without fail. And it sucks. And it turns out... Wouldn't you know? So they all get their rewards. You know, they, they get their adulations for being heroes. And then Minmay comes along and Minmay's like, here, have, have some flowers. And she gives everyone some flowers. And then she, like, kisses Rick on the, on the cheek. And then she's like, she says something just silly, doesn't she? She calls him yeah. handsome and then winks like she's joking? Well, she just winks at him in a, in a seductive way, you weirdo. That's a normal <laughs> thing. Uh, so, you know, everyone boos that, that she kissed people. And then she's like, I feel a song coming along. I'm going to dedicate my most recent song to these three brave airmen. And as you say, for the third time in three episodes, we get that goddamn fucking song again. And you know, as much as I hated my boyfriend as a pilot, this shot, this song might be worse because whoever's singing it is just almost slightly out of key. There is a... Look, you know, singing is hard. I can't sing. But having said that, she tries to hit some notes and she doesn't quite hit them in the upper register and it sounds a bit wonky as a result. And when you have to hear the same song every episode, it, it starts to really grate on you. It, it does. Now, I was actually like a pissed off about this. Well, not pissed off. That's too strong a word. I was trying to work out why. 
To be fair, Bron and Rico are in the crowd and they make some kind of observations like, this must be a tribal ceremony. I'm feeling primitive and stuff like that. So, but, you know, it's the third time we've heard the song, man. I noticed that. Yeah. And then uh, there's, it cuts to Rick and then Rick looks bothered. Well, they talk bothered. about how much they like it, which this is an important theme of the show. Yes. Somehow. Yes. Work much better if the song didn't make you want to, like, cut off your own ears. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so it cuts into Rick, and Rick is like clearly bothered by Minmay being successful or singing a song or something. I don't know, man. And so in my notes here, I have in all capitals, this animation is whack. Everybody looks really surprised the whole time. <laughs> yeah, well, Rick's sad because, you know, his relationship with Minmay is over because she's a successful musician. And <laughs> her success as a musician represents their relationship disintegrating in his broken Instagram. <laughs> Yep. So, um, smash cut from that, and then Lisa returns to the bridge. Uh, and Claudia totally fucking screws up her line here and says, the prodigal comes back. And that's definitely the phrase that we all know. <laughs> that's exactly the famous phrase. It's definitely not the prodigal daughter returns. And you know what? Claudia also says things such as, like, a bird in the hand. Yep. <laughs> Well, the, the, the gag it's is good. The gag is just saying half of the half of the thing, right? That's that's our gag. Yep. It's a, okay. Just all right. I can't even think of any other dumb metaphors. Um, what's another one? Um, two wrongs. <laughs> yeah, as my aunt says, pretty bad. Two wrongs, not good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then so everyone makes fun of Lisa for returning to work, and then Lisa gets mad. Classic Lisa. And they talk about how she was promoted, and they also introduced her on stage as Lieutenant Commander. Wasn't she Lieutenant Commander before? I know no one else cares about the ranks, but it annoys the shit out of me because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, maybe I was wrong, so who knows? Maybe whatever Wikipedia page you looked at was post-promotion? That, look, that would probably, like, simplest explanation would be that I was looking at, like, the post-promotion and maybe she was just, like, a something else. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know what's before Lieutenant Commander because Navy ranks are whack. Yeah. So here's another strange scene with weird animation and people that don't look like themselves. Rick, Max, and Ben are driving in a Jeep. So they're driving along in a Jeep, and then Roy turns up in a Jeep beside them and in a very <clears throat> over-the-top manner yells at them. And he's like, what the hell are you doing? And they go, oh, it said scramble all fighters. And he's like, not you, you jerks. Don't you want to go to the brig for insubordination? You should go and relax. It's basically forcing them to relax. But yeah, he does this thing where he's mad. So he puts his arms and waves them at them. <laughs> and his, and his like, guy in the passenger seat has to grab the wheel. Except his torso and head doesn't move. So he just sort of looks like he's doing the thriller dance. <laughs> just after midnight. Um, and he's not expressive enough in his face no, to it's... justify waving his arms in the air. It's it's very, very bad animation. And if we can get a good shot of this, it's either one of Lisa's weird faces or this is going to be the, the thumbnail because it's super whack. Well, we did Min May's incredibly uh, messed up face for the last thumbnail, so we should do Roy Fokker's uh, thriller dance this time. <laughs> so we cut back to the purples and try to ship and Amazonia in her awesome cape that looks totally dope. Is in oh, yeah, I love the collar on this. She's got a popped collar yeah. that goes up to the top of her head. Oh, it looks so good, man. But she has no peripheral vision at all. <laughs> it's like so much of this should be ridiculous, but it's just the popped collar, man. It's, it's popping. I was thinking about that. If... If you had a cape like that in real life, like in a movie, obviously in, in actual daily wear, you just look like a 
Reddit. Wait, launch. isn't that the kind of capes that you wear when you're a bomb defusal guy in Iraq or something? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like the Hurt Locker or something? Yeah, she's going to go defuse a IED by the side of the road now. Just in case. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Amazonia is told that the STF is speeding up and she's like, well, we can't attack, so we just better follow it. So we cut to our man, our main man, the OG pimp daddy, the Zentradi big wig with a big, um, Britai. No, not Britai, Chiron. Chiron's like, God damn it, I want to attack. And in my favorite line of the entire episode, which is not a high bar to clear, mind you, he says, I'm going to attack the STF one for the glory of the Zentradi and Chiron. Which I thought was pretty Chiron's the best because the Zentradi, you know, are really two-dimensional Saturday morning <laughs> cartoon villains. Yes. Who are a warlike race because that way there's no dis- there's no argument that they're bad guys. And Chiron manages to be the one-dimensional Saturday morning villain <laughs> who is just bad yep. for no reason with no motive at all. Yep. So uh, on the bridge, they order the transformation and... Bron, Rico, and the other dude are hanging around outside, wondering where everybody went when the ground starts to shift under their very feet, like happened to like Rick and Min May ages ago. And so, this transformation scene is actually pretty cool, and I particularly like that scene where the two things are joining up, and you see a crew of like tethered astronauts like shooting out to start connecting stuff once they join. It, it looks cool. Now you see what I think is, I think this is like reused animation from earlier. Oh, hundred percent! It's yeah. exactly the same animation as the first time they transformed. So <clears throat> they've only got like. They've got like three minutes of animation they've reused for this. And then the narrator starts telling us about about it. Did you notice yeah. that? It's really weird. The narrator who normally comes in at the start and the end of an episode is just like, the giant, trans- the giant ship begins to transform slowly and surely. It turns into its monstrosic, mon- monstrous robot space form. And it's like... Words. I know, man. But yeah, to be fair, we've actually only ever seen it transform once in the past. We we assume that it transforms <coughs> every episode in like the general fights, but we've actually only seen it transform twice. Well, that's true. So the SDF one transforms and then it fires this big gun and a bunch of ships blow up, and then we see the same recycled footage from ages ago where there's like the point defense barrier moving over the ship. And yeah, so stuff. apparently the point defense barrier and the main gun now work together, which proves the R and D department have been doing something other <laughs> than making fake skies. Other than making fake skies. Um, oh, you're gonna have to use your footage there. I had a Google announcement. That's all good. Uh, <clears throat> Amazonia uh, in her kick-ass cape gets mad at Chiron and says, "God damn it, we're gonna have to stop Chiron ourselves." Amazonia calls up Chiron on her on her on her space phone. And tells Chiron to pound sand, sit down, be humble. Uh, Chiron calls her a meddling idiot of a woman with an attitude of superiority, which I'm going to level with you, Chiron. She is literally your superior, which is why she has an air of superiority. So the thing that confused me about a lot of these scenes with the Zentradi is yep. the Zentradi have proved that if they have men and women interacting, they all start, like, it all starts going. So why would you put a lady in charge of the majority yeah, of male defense forces? Yeah, she's got her own uh, fleet. Why didn't you just piss all those guys off and let her bring her own fleet? Yeah. I mean... Cause, especially because by their own weird admission, that's a problem for them. It's also... It's tough because on one hand, I like having female characters that are active and, like, warlike and, and can just do Oh, yeah, things. just get rid of all the existing people. Yeah, but at the same time, the way they use them seems a bit dumb. And then so, or at least have them say, oh, well, we can't withdraw the forces that are there because the FDF, SDF-1 will use that to get away. Like, address it. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, Chiron gets mad that the SCF-1 gets away, but he pledges that he will have his revenge, and I hope that it is fun because I love him and love everything he does. It's, it's so dumb. It's great. Um, the SCF-1 bursts through the atmosphere, and then things start to blow up inside the ship, which is probably going to be an excuse for them not taking off into space straight away. And then, uh, no comment. And then they splash into the water, and then they open up the doors, and the fresh air of the Pacific wafts inside the ship and then they all stare at the ocean and yay that's the end of a very bad episode yeah it's pretty bad it's not as bad as space tuna but only because that last five minutes of like stuff happening is at least five minutes it's not rick hunter and min may having painful interactions yeah this is you know this feels like i don't know man they didn't have enough money because the next episode is a clip episode which is literally just saving money the episode right yeah. so it's i don't know if they just they ran out of budget for this group of episodes I believe, now I may be wrong, I believe that the whole Battletech MechWarrior licensing thing is is to finance this, they then sell the designs of their robots to the guys that make Battle, uh, Battletech. So maybe right. they get the injection of cash to keep making the show after this point because it's starting to look very low-tech at this point. Yeah, now what episode... Ah, that's interesting. So I'm not sure what it was like in the 80s, mm-hmm. but these days... Uh, animes tend to have 11 episodes per season. Okay. And the chance of you getting a second season is very low. And that's definitely changed in the 80s. It was more likely. But uh, this would be right around the time they're ending, they're ending the first season. Mm-hmm. And they've probably, rather than saving their money to use in the future, they probably spent too much money early on. And now they're having to claw back money where they can. Oh, okay. That, that makes a bit of sense, I guess. So what I'd expect then is that hopefully after the clip show, they've got a fresh budget. Well, well I look I look forward to it, and I can't wait to see what happens. So uh, any other thoughts on these two episodes that, that kind of... Uh, yeah. So uh, as they're landing the giant robot into the Pacific Ocean, it occurred to me that maybe they should have landed in boat form. <laughs> wait, yeah, that's a good point, actually. And also, how do they know yeah. that this thing is going to float as well? This is just, well, it's got two aircraft carriers on the arms. It's just got like giant, it's got like float. water wings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh dear. Well, if we have nothing else to say about that, it's time to move on to emails. This email comes in from Matthew in Sydney. Dear sir slash madam, thank you for the subtweet. Subtweet, idiots. The ranks for naval aviators start at ensign in the US, and most navies follow the same convention of ensign to lieutenant, junior grade to lieutenant, and so on. Post the fourth episode or I'll ban you from Discord. Kind regards, Matthew. So there you go. There answers our question from before. Well, no, he said etc. right where we can. <laughs> we need more. Uh, Matthew, if you could please reply to this email with a full list of uh, US Navy officer ranks, up to and including Fleet Admiral, uh, that would be good. What do you reckon the like highest rank of somebody who can fly a plane is? Uh, captain? Yeah, maybe. In the Air Force. I don't know what a Navy equivalent of a captain is and so what always gets me is like and i'm dumb and stupid as we've shown from this episode but i don't understand basic plot points is that if you're like in command of like an aircraft carrier you have like a high rank but they just call you captain because you're the captain of the boat no so the navy sort of does away with that whole system and that's why the ranks are so confusing oh okay because captain is instead where i'm gonna be wrong here again but i think captain replaces major all right no, Captain replaces Colonel. All right. Yeah. And then, so Lieutenant Commander is the equivalent of, like, Brigadier or something. I don't know. I'm, we're definitely going to get angry emails now. 
but it, it, it's yeah, it's it's as simple as they literally swapped out ranks. Oh, okay, sure, that makes some sense. Which is why it's yeah, really confusing. And remember, if you have an email you want to send to this podcast, you can reach us at myboyfriendpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at whatever our tweeting thing is. I'll just edit this in later. I don't know what our tweeting thing is. At my boyfriend is a free. You can put it in the um show description. The thing description. Oh, that'll make yeah, sense. That. And so uh, next episode is a clip show and we ourselves are going to do a clip show of the clip show. But it'll be good. But it'll be like, good. Don't skip it like you skip a clip show. And then after that, we're going to come back with, uh, I believe we're going to end up in the middle of a plot arc again. But my memory, and I'm looking forward because this is as far forward as I have seen in my rewatch. So this is the first time I'm going to see these for like 20 years or something. I believe these oh, next three episodes are all pretty good. The, this, after you finish, uh, the show gets real, real weird. So I hope you're looking forward to that. I know, I do know, I know there's an episode where Rick Hunter is, spoiler alert, in a coma and just trips out. I know that happens. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, that. Do you think we get to that one? Um, hang on, let me just... I, I don't know. Anyway. I, I, I can't remember. I just remember all sorts of ridiculous nonsense. <laughs> but we'll save that when we get to we'll it. We'll save that when we get to it. So in a fortnight's time, you'll be listening to us again, going to the crazy episode of Rick in a Coma. Uh, as always, you're listening to My Boyfriend is a Podcast, and you're with our hosts, my hosts, the hosts, the only hosts, <laughs> Charles and Nick. Hello, and goodbye. We'll take care. And we're done.